Welcome to the Pinch to Zoom podcast, the show where we zoom in on the latest tech news, products, and trends. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And this is our second episode in our Best Tech of 2020 showdown, our series of bonus podcast episodes where we will be doing a showdown of the best tech devices of 2020. This is our cameras and drones division. And last week, we actually did a smartphone and mobile devices division where we had some of the best smartphone and mobile tech products of 2020 battle it out in a fierce competition. And coming up next, we also have our smart home division and our entertainment division episodes. So make sure you're subscribed to the Pinch to Zoom podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out. This is a March Madness style bracket between the best cameras and drones of 2020. We will be competing two products head to head, picking a winner and moving that product on to the next round. At the end, we will crown one product, the champion of its corresponding division. And for the final episode, we will have a bonus series where we'll be pitching the winning products of all divisions against each other in the ultimate final showdown to determine the single best tech product of 2020. With that said, let's get this showdown started. Welcome to the second episode of the 2020 Best of Tech Showdown, presented by the Pinch to Zoom podcast. I'm Gabe. And I'm Stetson. And in this round, we have the best cameras, drones, microphones, and other photography and videography gear matching up in a tech showdown larger than a medium format camera sensor. Starting off in round one, we'll have the Sony A7S III, Canon R5, Fujifilm X-T4, Sony A7C, iPhone 12 Pro, Sony ZV-1, Insta360 1R, GoPro Hero 9, DJI Mavic Air 2, DJI Mini 2, Skydio 2, Autel Evo 2, Rode VideoMic NTG, Aperture MC RGBWW, Peak Design Travel Tripod, and DJI RS2. All right, you've met our 16 competitors. Let's get down <coughs> to business now with... Uh, with normal voices, please. That's this, uh, yeah. easier to talk with. Oh, my throat is already sore. But yeah, we're now here with our cameras and drones and some other stuff kind of towards the end of that competition. We got eight cameras, four drones, and four other stuff. So let's get started right away. We should have honestly held this one for last because it's probably the most anticipated showdown of 2020, but it's kind of been overhyped so many times that let's just get it right out of the way first. The Sony A7S III versus the Canon R5. Yeah, this was a really interesting debate. I think Canon fans around the world were super excited for the R5. Canon super strong mirrorless camera shooting up to 8K video, which was insane. And Sony fans, Gabe, like yourself, waiting over five years, I believe, for the A7S 3 which is crazy. Uh, A7S 3 shooting up to 4K, 120 frames per second, 422, 10-bit, mm, delicious color science. Uh, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on each? Who should be moving on here? I mean, both seem very strong from the get-go. Yeah, this is really a tough one. But I think there is a clear winner. Yeah, I was actually going to say, I don't think it's that tough in my mind. Well, it is a tough one because these two cameras came out right around the same time. They were both highly anticipated by their collective fan bases and, you know, fellow tech enthusiasts. The Canon R5 
is in and of itself, if it was against any other camera, would blow it away. Right. You know, it's 8K raw capable. It has a 45 megapixel sensor, right? I believe that's correct. And it's it's just an incredible camera. The touchscreen is like a smartphone's touchscreen. It has a top info display. It uses Canon's RF glass line, which is definitely getting better. And with it, you know, super with, sharp. With this camera, they launched some cheap long range lenses like 800 millimeters for about 800 900 dollars so i think for canon this is a huge win right and let's not forget canon's amazing dual pixel autofocus and even their incredible very impressive ibis system with this camera delivering some remarkable image stabilization uh but yeah i mean it is expensive coming in at three thousand nine hundred dollars right compared yeah. to the a7s3 starting at just $3,500, both body only. Um, but yeah, I think Sony also came out strong here. I mean, they went with a very different approach. Instead of focusing on photo and video, really ha hitting a home run with the video department, shooting 4K, 120 frames per second with their 12 point, is it 12.1 or 12.2? I think 12 point, I think it's actually 12.2. 12.2 megapixel sensor. But you only use like 12 megapixels really. Now, I think, yeah, this is this is a tough one because the Sony A7S II for or A7S III for photographers, sorry, really is a bit of a miss. I, you know, if you're only shooting stuff for Instagram and you're only shooting stuff for like thumbnails and like small images that viewed on a small form, 12 megapixels is fine. That's what your iPhone has. It's a perfectly reasonable amount of pixels. But really, if you're doing any serious photography, you want a lot more pixels than that. At least 24, like the A7 III uh, and a bunch of other cameras that kind of fall into that range of 20 to 30 megapixels. Because, you know, you're doing a lot, like even just selecting stuff in Photoshop and doing editing there, having those extra pixels, even if you're only going to export it out, you know, 4,000 by 3,000, it's super helpful to have. So there's definitely some shortcomings to the Sony camera, right? We can... I agree, actually. I, you know, I came in with this kind of with one winner picked in my mind, but now that we're talking about it, I kind of feel like it's a more even battle when you weigh in the photography components to this along with the video aspects. I mean, I think it's undeniable. Canon released one of their best mirrorless photo cameras with the R5. Yeah, okay. So let's look at like one of the big desires we often have for, you know, breaking down, which is the winner, is which is going to be remembered more. That's a really good point. That's a tough one because for Canon, this is their big step forward. Like this is by far a bigger leap forward for them. Granted, Sony, you know, has been the king of mirrorless cameras forever and everyone has been waiting for this camera. Like I said, I've been waiting for five years. So it's about equal there, I would say. Like who's going to remember I think you're right. It? I mean, I think Sony really set the bar with their A7S II and the capabilities that camera had. And... Canon kind of started, or the the more memorable camera in my mind is actually the original EOS R, right? That was the first mirrorless camera. So that kind of paved the way for this camera. Um, but yeah, I think it's kind of an even match in terms of memorability. Uh, some things we may consider is for video, I think the Sony is really, really strong here. And Sony actually, this is one of their first cameras with the newly designed menu system and the fully articulating proper touchscreen. And that's very memorable for a Sony user who's only had those rear-facing displays that can only tilt up or down. So I don't know. I, I think Sony is really strong here. And with Canon, you know, uh, there is that 30-minute record limit. We had a bunch of overheating issues for anyone doing 
uh, video work with the camera, and that could be potentially a problem. And there's a lot of transcoding required. So Canon, Canon is only shooting in an HEVC codec for 422 10-bit, and that requires transcoding. On the Sony camera, you actually have the flexibility to choose codecs that don't require transcoding in post-production. And you're right. I mean, you're only getting 12 megapixels, though. So I think it's going to come down to the fact that this is Canon's first gen for these mirrorless cameras, and this is Sony's third gen, yeah. right? or even kind of fourth gen almost, the way they kind of have done their updates. So I think ultimately Sony's going to win because it's just a much more polished product. Not to say, as we've stressed, that the Canon R5 isn't an incredible camera, and if you're a Canon user, that's going to be an awesome tool in your bag. And like even the R6, you know, which they released with it, like those are both great cameras, but they're just not polished enough at this point to be the best of. I, I agree with that. I think that's a fair assessment. And really, I think if you're a photographer, R5 is great. But when it comes to video work, I feel like the limitations and setbacks and how the R5 can hinder your workflow is really what gives the a7 III an edge. And even Gerald Undone did a side-by-side -side comparison of photos and the a7S III on Twitter, the image looks sharper just because the camera is doing in-camera processing uh, to make the photos look sharper. So for social and for video production, I think a7S III is great. And Gabe, as you mentioned, it's the polished product, so it should move on to the next round. All right, so a7S III moves on. Next showdown, we have the Fujifilm X-T4. This is a APS-C crop sensor goes for $1,700. And then we have the Sony A7C, which is actually a full frame sensor, but in a super small body and goes for $1,800. So very similar price tag on these cameras, very similar size too. Yeah, it's funny, I think, but I didn't even think about it. One, you're getting a bigger sensor. It's true. I will say from the Fujifilm standpoint with the X-T3, you know, they had a lot of setbacks and Fujifilm addressed those with the X-T4, right? So. They added IBIS, so internal uh, image stabilization. That's amazing. They added an, a fully articulating touchscreen. Great for vlogging, for getting uh, or making it easier to compose shots. They added a longer uh, battery life with a brand new battery, which was great to see for Fujifilm users. It can shoot up to 4K 60 frames per second and supports full 10-bit color. And it's got dual SD card slots along with Fujifilm's color science which some will debate is some of the better color science out there. So I think with Fujifilm, this is a really strong camera for them. In fact, I was actually thinking of switching to the X-T4 a while ago, um, but ultimately I think the autofocus is what held me back from committing along with the availability of the camera at the time I was interested. Um, but what does the A7C have going for it? Why are we considering that here? Well, I was just actually looking it up to verify. And the A7C is actually smaller than the Fujifilm. No way. Yes, it is. It's actually 1.34 pounds on the Fujifilm versus 1.12 pounds on the Sony. Granted, that's not that big of a difference, but it's, yeah, that's still it. And if you look at the size-wise, uh, the Sony kind of has more of the A6600 type where it cuts off that top with the flash and all the buttons and everything. And it's, you know, the viewfinder's kind of squished on the side. But Sony does have going for it, you know, it's basically an A7 III. That's right, yeah. Packed into a smaller size. Granted, you do lose a SD card slot, so you only have one SD card slot. And you lose that kind of overall larger camera type feel, which a lot of people, especially me who has larger hands, 
like because it makes it easier to hold. I think you're you're missing the joystick too on the back, right? Yeah, it does have a joystick. It adds because I was going to say is it basically adds in the yeah, it it no, it does take away the joystick. Uh it moves it a little bit, I think, over some buttons. So it moves stuff around, but overall it does improve the camera, I think, because it adds a touchscreen from the A7S3, that new one. Actually, I, I think don't know it's, if it's the same one. Yeah, I think so. It doesn't. It's the articulating screen is yeah, what's important sorry. there. Is it not a touchscreen? It's a touchscreen, but it's the same kind of just like touch the to seven, focus. Okay, yeah, you three. can't really. Um, so it's not the new menu system, though. That's correct. So it's the same menu system. Basically, the A7 III articulating touchscreen and smaller body. And no record limit. And no record limit. Okay. They and you have a that. better hot shoe for the improved audio quality. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a tough one here. Uh, what do you think? That's a great. So I guess in terms of improvements, I think Fujifilm executed on many more improvements. But I do think the A7C is a very strong camera for the price point. And you have to consider you are upgrading from APS-C to full frame. Did we mention 4K60 though? Oh. Yeah. Oh shoot. Yeah. I guess yeah, I guess what's the what are the more versatile tools? And I would say 4K60 color science um ergonomics and design. I, I think I'm almost wanting to give this one to the Fujifilm at this point. It's a it's definitely a tough one. I de I have seen what Fujifilm does with the APS-C sensor. I actually had a friend who had the X-T3, and he now has switched back to Sony. He was, Interesting. He was Sony with the Sony A7S2, then 7.3, got tired of waiting for the A7S3, sold uh, his Sony gear, went to Fujifilm, got two X-T3s, Granted, this isn't the X-T4, so he was right, back yeah, in previous generation, but was just upset with the low-light quality of the camera. And so just recently, sold both of those cameras and got the new A7S three, or is actually still waiting on that. <laughs> yeah, from yeah because that's back-ordered still. Right, interesting. So I think this is a close one. I I kind of hate to move the Sony on, because then we have two Sony cameras going to the next round. I mean, it is really strong, though. The improvements they made were great. But there's... Okay, this is the only reason why I think I'd be fine with that. I just recently went on a trip uh, down, you know, for the fall foliage, taking a lot of photos. This is more photography-based, but I ran into a lot of landscape photographers there. Yeah. You know, probably, I'd say at least a dozen to 20 uh, landscape photographers out there while we were shooting. And I was very... As a techie, I was looking at all the different gear they had. And, you know, I was looking at the tripods, looking at the backpacks, because I like to see what people are using for moments exactly like this. And looking at the cameras, I would easily say at least 70% of the people had a Sony camera. That's huge. That's an enormous percentage. insane. Right? And then the next, because it was photography, was Nikon, then Canon, and then Fuji was, like, very small amount. So I think that we're going to move the Sony A7C uh, on to the next round because it is, I mean, the A7 III is one of the best cameras ever re released in the past 10 years, groundbreaking for the low price, what it does. And this just improves on that in a lot of ways that people have wanted. So Sony A7C, you're going on to the next round. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah. hate, hate to see it happen, being all Sony in the next round for this, but that's oh, what it's yeah, going to be. The thing I was going to mention was autofocus. Sony crushes yeah. an autofocus. And I was thinking between autofocus and 4K60, autofocus for me personally is going to deliver uh, better results and help me create more. So I think, yeah, I think I agree with you, Gabe. I think A7C uh, deserves the win here. 
All right. So moving on to the next round and into a different category of cameras. This is kind of more point-and-shoot style cameras. And the first one in this competition, which really isn't a camera, is the iPhone 12 Pro versus the Sony ZV-1. Well, I'd, I'd almost argue the iPhone 12 Pro is a camera. I mean, it's got three cameras, four cameras, actually, three rear, so it's, one front facing. it's more of a camera than the ZV-1? Well, you know, it's funny you bring that up, Is Gabe. four cameras better than one good camera, basically? I actually think it is. And hear me out here. iPhone 12 Pro is going to have excellent dynamic range, thanks to the image processing of the A14 Bionic processor. And the three cameras actually give you a wider field of view. You know, one of the primary reasons people liked the ZV-1 was for vlogging, flip out screen, you could see yourself. Well, I'd almost argue the wider angle of the iPhone 12 Pro is better for vlogging, gets more in the shot. Even the regular wide angle lens is 26 millimeters compared to the tighter punched in 28 millimeters on the ZV-1. And let's not forget image stabilization. iPhone 12 Pro, excellent image stabilization without cropping in on the footage. ZV-1 takes that 28 millimeters and crops in more when you're filming video with the extra stabilization turned on. So I'd almost argue the versatility of the dynamic range in photos on iPhone 12 Pro and the video capability, stabilization, and now Dolby Vision HDR or just extended dynamic range up to 4K 60 and 1080p up to 240 frames per second, in my opinion, make iPhone 12 Pro a great camera, great for creatives and great for creating content. What's your take? I would be strongly disagreeing with that. I think the Sony ZV-1 is cheaper. Granted, most people do have a smartphone, so you know you could already count the iPhone as that camera. Take, take that for what it is. Yeah, so that kind of plays onto both sides. But Sony ZV-1 has you know the uh, ability to put in an external mic a lot easier. This is true, right? Doesn't really work. Well, you can do that with an iPhone. You Let's... can, but like you have to buy a separate mount to then mount the mic on there, or you get one that's specifically made for the iPhone. So it can work. Doesn't have a front facing screen if you're going to actually be vlogging, except for if you actually use, use the, the front, front facing front, front cam. facing camera, which you can do, and which it's is still not can, that good. It can do 4K. The 60, wide angle but... camera on the iPhone is a fixed focus one, so you're not going to ever get that good bokeh, uh, you know blurred background type and you actually do it. have a dedicated button for that on the zv1 you also have a dedicated button for that i don't know i just i think the zv1 really did a good job at addressing a lot of the things that people wanted from a vlog camera how do you I guess also the, the one thing we haven't even mentioned it's a one inch sensor that's pretty big well, it's actually small in the world of cameras well but, but it's big compared to like all the iphones <laughs> we, we all stacked, the iphone yeah. sensors put in a square would probably be about the same size maybe but that doesn't really help the iphone much that's true so i guess and then do we know the focal range on the zv1 and what that is able to offer because i think that actually might be another really great point for that camera where you can zoom in maybe you're at an event and you want to get closer to the action iphone really really falls apart anytime you try and punch into the footage and i feel like with the zv1 if it has a longer focal range when you're shooting 4K, you can punch in and it'll look great along with getting just physically closer with the zoom. Yeah, it says here it's uh, Zeiss it's 24 to 70 millimeter. That's pretty good. That's better One, than 1.8 to 2.8 lens. So, and you're, you are getting the 4K 30 and it is H, HLG and S log. So, pretty good. Pretty impressive. And you can match it with, say, you have a, another Sony camera full frame or something that you're using for other footage. You can match it with that. 
And they also have one of the cooler things, which I wish they'd really brought to the A7S three, is the product showcase setting. Right. Where it like is just the optimal autofocus setting to grab when you pick a product and bring it right towards the camera, and it'll just boom, grab, grab onto it, and then go back to your face when you move it out of frame. I do think iPhone can do that. I mean, one thing we have to consider. Also, here is, hold on, another oh. built-in ND filter. Oh snap, that's impressive. No accessories required. iPhone. That's probably like another. You know, 50 bucks for the case moment and lens. then you got to get a moment ND filter on there. That's even more expensive. I and mean, it is a very close one, but I think if we're judging on just camera, right, we're not factoring in sure. any of the other features of the iPhone and like how you can post it right to social media. I was actually just thinking that. that we're is not, so But we're not counting that. If we counted that, I think it would be. But we're really just talking about, I mean, we. I'm, I'm making this artificial drawing of lines around just cameras <laughs> it's not it's not a line it's just like a a weird squiggly box yeah just, polygon oh, get rid of that we don't want that included gerrymandering lines right here because i think the sony zv1 should go on i it's a very close one and i'm not even sure if either of these should be in best of tech i mean they are the best vlogging type cameras and best cheap budget cameras but i think because of the bigger sensor like the sony zv1 is a better improvement on a smartphone or like on the regular phone camera that people carry around yeah you know what actually i agree with you i, I changed my perspective i think for dedicated photography i will still stand by iphone 12's image processing i think that will be superior but when it comes to content creation i think the tools settings features and functionality of the zv1 i mean just getting proper manual camera controls is so nice it's great for teaching people how to use cameras get more into photography and then potentially upgrade to a uh, camera that has a I think interchangeable technically lens. don't you have a longer range on the ZV-1 with that the 24 to 70 right yeah that's what we already talked about yeah so I yeah I think gosh we've moved three Sony products on to the next round but yeah do we know when our paychecks are coming in by the way yeah I think we're actually sending out paychecks because we both just bought the a7s3 <laughs> camera so hey it's it's good and that's why we get it all yeah, right, so let's let's Sony move Sony ZV-1 moving on to the next round. Now, our final two cameras here in this first round uh, before we go to drones and other stuff, we have two action cameras. Now, we have the newcomer, the Insta360 1R going for $480, and then we have the old, the reliable, literally their name is a stand-in for action cameras, GoPro with the GoPro Hero 9. Yeah, these are these three, are three hundred and fifty dollars in with an asterisk of also kind of four hundred dollars, but it should be three hundred fifty dollars because that's how much you pay when you buy it through their site and you get GoPro uh, Plus or whatever they're calling it, GoPro subscription for a year. Still, some of the most popular action cameras out there, and honestly, some of the most incredible. And one thing I want to bring up with Insta three sixty is actually their software. I think they've done a tremendous job with their app design and interface, making it easy when you're shooting three sixty video, for example, of you know, framing up the shot on your phone and then having, you know, once it's framed up, then transferring the file over from the camera to the phone. You don't have to, it's not a multi-step process where you transfer and then you frame up and then you export it. You frame it up and then you transfer and export, export all in one uh, shot. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's kind of doing processing on the camera. Now, I should clarify the Insta360 1R we're talking about is the dual lens uh, and I guess, well, they call it the twin bundle. It's the dual lens and the 4K wide action module. And the Insta360 1R also, if you don't know, is a super modular camera. You can take it apart, 
put a bigger battery on, put a different battery on. They out now actually have released a mod, which I want to get for mine, which turns the camera from like a horizontal one to it takes the screen thing, or I, th I think it's the screen one, and makes it vertical more. So it basically like turns into a more vertical type camera, which is that's it's crazy. It's hard to describe, but this is a very cool camera. And GoPro, I've been using for since the 3 Plus, so like 10 years almost now, it seems like. It's incredible how long I've been using GoPro cameras. And they've come so far, and every year they're just improving on and really never getting worse. Occasionally they'll do like a big change and they'll be like, all right, you need to rethink that. But this year they've, I mean, added the front facing screen and a bunch of other features, including 5K video. Now, some things, maybe, you know, battery life maybe went down a little bit this generation, not quite as good, but overall it's still an incredible camera and they're still selling the GoPro 8, which still is probably one of the best action cameras out there. So it's hard to go wrong with a GoPro in the action camera field. And that's a tough task to beat. However, yes. So I guess this like this Insta three sixty is kind of like in sports. All right, we're gonna make another sports analogy. There, it's the it's like when you know there's a baseball team or a basketball team or whatever. I would say like the Astros was a good example. Well, they actually cheated, so let's not use them. But it's when a team comes along that kind of reinvents the game, right? It's like this team is oh maybe they're playing short ball or maybe they're you know, they're like the Oklahoma City, th or what is it, OKC, I don't know, some team, and they're shooting threes only, right? Like the Houston Rockets, there we go, uh, if you're a basketball fan, and they're changing up the game, how it's played. This is Insta360, and the 1R is absolutely that camera. Granted, head-to-head, -head, the 4K wide-action module, which basically, you know, turns it into a GoPro camera, right? Right. It doesn't... Uh, hold water to the GoPro. Yeah, I think the GoPro is definitely better. I mean, I was almost thinking, what are the attributes that make a great action camera, right? So it's great video quality, great stabilization, great accessory ecosystem. And with this newer generation, actually the ability to see yourself. So I guess from those standpoints, how do you feel these cameras compare? Like stabilization, image quality. I mean, from those standpoints, GoPro has a way better ecosystem of accessories. They have, you know, super reliable stabilization Hyper smooth is incredible. But, I think they're on 3.0. Yeah, right? 3.0 now. Uh, 2.0 was 8. However, like I said, Insta360 going now to the category and like class where we look at of our is how well is it going to be remembered in history? GoPro 9 honestly is a bit of a mat upgrade. You don't have to do it because GoPro 8 was still so good and it's still so incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's undeniably a great camera. I think you're right here. What Insta360 is doing is changing the game. Their modularity and module approach to this is... Well, on just a whole 360 camera in general, what you can do with that, I mean, go onto their page and look up the shot labs that they have and the different things, the tiny planet, the... the I think there's like a sonic one that looks like... it. Literally, you hold the camera over your shoulder on the selfie stick, which, by the way, turns invisible because of the way the two lenses kind of converge. And you record yourself for like five minutes and go into the app and use that shot. Uh, like I think they call it recipe or chemist. I don't know, something like that. And it basically turns you into like Sonic. So, you you know, it fast forwards part of the clip and puts in those little golden trails of like the Sonic going really super fast. Amazing. Like we have in Amazing. our intro of our podcast. And so I think this one is a clear Winner. Also, they did actually just win, like, or get nominated for an honorable mention in Times Innovations of the Year. 
I think that's a sign that this is, in fact, yeah, this- one of the innovations of the year and needs to move on to the next round. So Insta360 1R going on to the next round. Congratulations to you guys doing a good job. I mean, GoPro still also, you have my heart as always, but Insta360 1R going on to the next round. All right, now moving to a completely different area, a little higher, flying up in the air. Uh, what is that buzzing noise? Oh, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's a drone. It's the DJI Mavic Air 2 versus the DJI Mini 2. I just want to point out all the drones in this category are all the second version of their uh, respective drones, which is kind of funny. That should mean they're better, right? I guess better or I different. Mean, it, it depends where they started. I guess that's true. Right. So this one is all DJI in this uh, first showdown here. We decided that was the only fair way to do it. So DJI Mavic Air 2 going for $800, falling more into that prosumer area. And then the DJI Mini 2, which is the follow-up to the Mavic Mini, going for $450. Both are 4K video, so nothing too special there. However, the Mavic Air 2 takes regular 4K 30 video that the Mavic or that the Mini 2 does and says, all right, hold your beer. And it does actually HDR video using the quad bear sensor. So basically kind of same way your phone will do HDR by taking multiple exposures for a photo. This uses multiple pixels to do the same thing kind of and does really good dynamic range. Plus it does 4K 60 in regular standard dynamic range video. So that is very awesome. impressive. Yeah, I think I was looking a lot at these drones because I know you own them. I own both of them, yes. I do not, so I was trying to... No, but this is a good different perspective because you're getting what other people think other than my stupid, silly <laughs> opinions that I generate myself. I was I was doing research into this, so both are actually using the DJI Fly application, so very experienced, uh, similar experience while flying. And what I will say is both actually got pretty good improvements with... Uh, the control system. So the new controller is much better designed using OcuSync 2.0 for the Mavic Air 2 and the Mini 2. Is it also using OcuSync? Yeah, they're both using OcuSync 2.0. I actually just want to say I love you reading this stuff out like it's some incredible new news that you've discovered because this is just like what my daily life is. (laughs) This is like if I came along saying the Verizon network, obviously way better with their millimeter wave and stuff, you, you know. Yeah, no, it was interesting looking into this. I think, honestly, what it comes down to is the dynamic range that the Mavic Air 2 offers, and more importantly, the obstacle avoidance sensors and the intelligent flight modes. Because with those obstacle avoidance sensors, you're getting front-facing, rear-facing, and downward-facing sensors, no sideways-facing sensors on the Air 2. But those sensors do enable multiple different intelligent flight modes, and it makes it much easier for beginner pilots or anyone else to get into flying and for capturing more creative and potentially more complex shots. It also gives you a little bit more confidence when you're going out there. The Mini 2 lacks those sensors. It lacks the dynamic range. And ultimately, if I was to buy a one drone, I would go Mavic Air 2. I think that is the drone right now. Yeah, it's a tough one because the Mavic Air 2, obviously the better drone, literally double the price almost of the Mini 2. And because of that, I kind of hesitate to just instantly give it the clear win because for the price and for the size, granted under 250 grams, the Mini 2 is incredible. And the fact that it's basically including the same remote control system as the Mavic Air 2, granted it doesn't have 1080p downlink, it's only 720p, so slightly less video quality, but who really cares? It, you know, it's offering incredible flight time, almost the same as the Mavic Air 2, incredible range, not quite the same as the Mavic Air 2, and at least 4K video now uh, with the new 
generation. However, it doesn't really have active track and it also doesn't have as big of a sensor. So you have a half inch sensor on the Mavic Air 2. Mini 2 is tiny, I like s small as your phones basically. I think what DJI did here is they made a great drone for kids just getting into aerial, you know, flying. Just anyone getting into Anyone getting into aerial flying. I mean, the reason I said kids, I was thinking like PS5 is a gotcha. common like gift. Um, for the holiday season price range, I mean, mm -hmm, yep. exactly. So that four fifty dollars price range is kind of a perfect higher end gift, but also delivering a really good product. Um, but ultimately, here, like when you're getting a drone and you're in the air, you only have one chance to get these images, and you want these images to be the best they can be for you know what you're getting. And I really do feel that the Air Two, not just because it's more expensive, but because of what it delivers with active track, the intelligent flight modes the obstacle avoidance sensors, and ultimately the better image quality. I feel like it's the better drone. In it was this. also the first one of DJI's drones to use this new controller design in the OcuSync 2.0, I think. So at least, I'm not sure about the OcuSync 2.0, but at least the new controller design, which is definitely changed it up. It's more like their smart controller. And it also implemented the, you know, the new DJI Fly app and brought that up from previously just working with the Mini Mavic Mini and now working to the other drones. Other drones. How do you feel portability plays a role in these two drones? Because I was seeing that the Mini 2 is so light and portable, it's super easy it's to really just... the Mini 2 is great in that sense. You're absolutely right. Like the same case they basically come in, and the Mini 2 you can fit all the batteries and the charging kind of little compartment thing it comes in. Uh and that's that's good to go. The Mavic Air 2, however, you can fit all the batteries, you know, the control and everything. But the charging cable and stuff has to go in a separate bag. Interesting, but that's so. importantly with the Fly More combo, which actually brings the Mini Two price up from four fifty to six hundred. Six hundred, but then also brings up the Mavic Air Two to like above a thousand almost. I guess that's I true. I think it's like slightly under. Yeah, I was seeing nine hundred eighty-eight for that. Yeah, they they very carefully got it twelve dollars under a thousand, so that that's gonna make Precision. all the difference. No, I think this one clearly goes to the Mavic Air Two. Uh, it was it's it was here first. It's probably the one that more people are gonna go with. Also, like if you're really going to get a drone, you're looking more in the above 500 category eventually. Granted, you'll get a first one under, but it's a, it's a very close one. Both are good drones. You can't go wrong with DJI, but I think Mavic Air 2 probably. I agree with that decision. And what's amazing to me is I was actually a original Mavic Pro owner. And for the same $1,000, I think the Air 2 is just incredible. Like it's incredible how far DJI has come. And uh, I would easily pick one up if I needed a drone. And that's, you know, what I was into but yeah we'll or, see the mavic air 2 maybe not maybe you pick up one of these drones because the next two drones we have uh in this you know our four drones that we brought into this division is the skydio 2 and the autel evo 2 again both twos and the skydio 2 goes for a thousand dollars has incredible ops you can't even call it obstacle avoidance more just situational 3d sensing and terrain mapping and then the autel evo 2 has 8k video so and that's all you have to say about that. Just yeah. 8K video. 8K video. I mean, I'm not sure how much you or what even there is to talk about. Oh, here. did I say it was 1500? I think I did. But uh, I have 1800 for that. Was I looking at like a combo kit or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's 1500. Okay. Yeah. I mean, honestly, from looking at it, my take is I, I was really impressed with Skydio too. I originally, when it came out, I was like, wow, this is kind of stupid. Like it's just following you around. Like what's so cool about that? But really, it's the autonomous flight capabilities of this drone that impressed me. So it's got 12 4K cameras that aren't recording video, but are yeah, being it's used. It's like over 46 megapixels, I think, of 
sensing data that's being just constantly fed through the system processing. Unbelievable. And it's detecting, creating a 3D map, as you mentioned, and maneuvering the drone around these obstacles while tracking you in real time. And I think this drone has demonstrated some of the best tracking and autonomous flight capabilities I've ever seen in a consumer drone product. So to me, that was tremendously impressive. It does shoot 4K up to 60 frames per second in high dynamic range. It has extended tracking for up, for flying over 100 feet away, under 30 feet away, and tracking you, uh, but only a 23 minute flight time and kind of a weak controller in my opinion. And you don't get those locally cached videos like you do on the DJI drones. Uh, but overall, I was really impressed with Skydio 2. The Autel Evo 2, yes, it does 8K, but I think I was more impressed with their other Evo offering that had the 6K sensor. Is it, I mean, great flight time, let's just mention Autel Evo 2. With 40 minutes, right? Uh, 40 minutes, they kind of say. It's more like 34, but it is longer than any DJI drone. They have, uh, it's a bigger drone, so it has some good wind resistance because it's slightly heavier. Yeah, it's it's really a tough one, but actually, no, it's not. It's I not. don't think this is even close. If, you know, the way I broke it down was I don't own either of these drones. I own really only DJI drones now. I kind of have to fix that in the future. And the one of these two, which I was the most salty about <laughs> being released because it made me feel like, why the hell have I been practicing flying drones for all these years? is the Skydio 2. And I'm kind of pissed at him. Like, Skydio, what the hell are you doing? You're you're making me obsolete as a drone pilot. Not really, because this is more intended for just tracking people, tracking cars. Like, you can never really get the cinematic-type shots that you can get. You know, th- like, there have... Not tra- yet, at Not least. yet. Skydio 3... Like precision, oh, no. I just you, it'll just I'm on automatically the edge of a cliff. it'll do the drone based project for you. You show up, you have literally a drone based button. It might oh, honestly, I and don't, don't tracks the house, don't sweeps don't around jump. it. That's kind of what they're doing with the XTD, uh, X2D or something like that. They're, they're calling uh, the new enterprise drones. Yeah, exactly. So I think this is not even close. Skydio two, they're absolutely killing it uh, and knocking it out of the park. US this based is too. US based drone. I you know I'm I can't wait to see what DJI does next year with the Mavic Three uh, or Mavic Three Pro because you know they're everyone's waiting for, to see what they're going to do as far as obstacle avoidance and that type of stuff. So it's it's going to be very close come next year. But for now, Skydio Two honestly I'm I'm scared to see the next round when it goes up against the Mavic Air Two. Yeah, and I think honestly DJI just has such a refined software experience when you compare their products versus the Evo Two. Uh, that I don't, I don't really necessarily know that Evo Two is worth considering. Like it's really, you know, maybe it can be good for some, but the, the Pro I heard has been decent. But this, that's a different, yeah, different, different story. Yeah, Skydio Two, hands down winner here. Let's move on. Next up, we have the Rode VideoMic NTG and the Aperture MC RGB WW. Two very different products here, but honestly, some of the best creator tools of 2020. Uh, that Gabe and I have been using quite a lot recently. So let's dive in. Uh, Gabe, do you have any snap reactions? Do you feel like there's one better than the other here? They're very different products. Yeah, this is this is a tough one because they are so different. Rode VideoMic NTG going $250. Aperture MC RGB. Let's just call it the Aperture MC for now. Uh, $90. Did you say that before? No. I did not. I okay. left that for you. So that was my time to come in, and I came in perfectly. So Clutch. pat on the back there. 
I will say snap reaction. I want to give this to the road video mic and TV. Yeah, that's what I. Maybe we should just do that and move I on. I think we're just in such total agreement here. Yeah, I, should we here's, say, here's why. Yeah, okay. The road video mic NTG is basically the jack of all trades at an incredible value of just 250 bucks. You can use it for podcasting. You can use it with your mobile phone. Uh, you can use it as almost an audio interface because you can monitor with headphones and it plugs in your computer via USB C. Uh, you can use it for recording directly into your camera as a shotgun microphone. If any way you could use a microphone, you can use the NTG, and it does a flipping fantastic job. Uh, gain knob on the back, USB-C like we mentioned, headphone out for monitoring. It's um, it's phenomenal, and that's why it deserves to move on. Yeah, and it came out perfect time this year with everyone staying home and having to quarantine and streaming. Like the incredible thing I was thinking about is this literally can do every use of mic like yep, everything up until now why have we had it where you've needed a separate mic to be on your camera you need a separate mic for your computer separate mic for your smartphone this just does it all and it does it all so well and it does it all from a company that is known for audio known for audio and stands behind their products well with like a and this one doesn't have a 10-year warranty some of their shotgun mics do i think this one only has maybe a three-year warranty still maybe five years but still that's incredible you can't go wrong with this product, and Rhodes customer service is also incredible. So I literally cannot gush enough about this product. Best $250 you will spend uh, is probably going to be this product. And probably the one and only mic you will ever need. I wouldn't say that. For, uh, it's a great mic it's a to great, start. Yeah, if you're looking like, oh, I don't know, there's like six mics I should get, just get this one for the time being. You'll be good. It'll get you well on your way to creating videos, podcasts, uh, streaming, whatever you want to do. So that goes on. And now moving on to our final two products in this first round here, we have, again, two kind of random products, but both similar can camera supports, the Peak Design Travel Tripod and the DJI RS2. Now, yep. for people who don't know, Peak Design Travel Tripod, obviously in the name there, says it's a tripod, goes for $350 for the standard aluminum version or $600 for the regular version. DJI carbon fiber. I want to carbon yeah, fiber sorry. is regular. That's what I meant. It's actually extremely premium and looks. I sick. had a bit of a brain uh, seizure there in the middle of that, but Stetson clarified it. Then the DJI RS2 is eight hundred and fifty dollars, and it's a gimbal for cameras, and generally more intended for kind of like cinema heavier cameras. But it also it, has carbon fiber. Yes. Also looks sick. Yeah, so I guess maybe that's the category that this is. It's now, the carbon fiber category. I think people can understand why a gimbal might be in here, but why is a tripod in the best of tech? This is a really excellent question, and the reason we have a tripod in here is what Peak Design engineered and crowdfunded on Kickstarter was one of the lightest and most compact travel tripods in the world or ever made. And the key thing with the travel tripod is you need it to be portable, compact, and lightweight because that is what's gonna get you to bring the tripod with you. If it doesn't meet those categories, it's gonna to be too heavy to fit in your bag. You're not gonna feel like taking it with you when you go out on your hike or adventure. And with Peak Design, they really nailed uh, this product. I think it's only like three pounds, I wanna say. I feel like I should check that while we're talking here, but it's incredibly yeah, the, compact. The weight isn't that big, it's more the size. The size is exactly the size of like, if you have a water bottle, the standard water bottle, 20 ounces or so, it's identical in that size. And if you've ever seen a standard, quote unquote, travel small tripod, they don't look small or anything suited for travel anymore after you see the Peak Design tripod because that looks like 
yeah, this is something I can comfortably pick up and hold in one hand, wrapping my hand around it. Whereas most travel tripods are, you'd struggle, even me with my big hands can just barely grab onto a travel tripod when folded up. Right, so some specs here. It is 2.8 pounds for the carbon fiber model, and it can hold a payload capacity up to 20 pounds, designed for professional cameras and for professional lenses. So maybe you're out doing uh, nature photography or something like that with a heavy zoom lens. This tripod, despite being super light in weight, can support it. It also has a uniquely designed and ultra-compact ball head, so you can do your adjustments. Some reviewers have complained it, it won't pan smoothly left to right because it is a ball head and will just kind of tip over and flop around. And it doesn't, it'll tip over 90 degrees one way, but not the other way. But that's actually standard with most tripods, so not something to worry about. Yeah, um, it, it does have some shortcomings, but I think overall it's really exciting just in general because it kind of throws some fire onto the whole travel tripod or just tripod market in general. And it's hopefully going to push other manufacturers to think outside the box and kind of rethink why they're doing stuff the way they are. And maybe we'll get some huge innovation breakthroughs and just kind of novel and interesting, unique ideas. Absolutely. But now, yeah, what makes DJI the RS2? RS2 is, as we said, $850. This is, now don't be confused because it's RS2. It's actually the Ronin S2. They're just, you know, DJI is kind of on this whole naming kick, as we've mentioned earlier. And the big two things that this uh, gimbal specifically has for cameras, granted, it's super kind of more with our original Ronin uh, S was more for kind of, I guess, your regular indie filmmaker. I even bought it. The new RS2 is definitely more for pros, definitely more for people really into cinematography and, you know, TV commercials, uh, commercials in general, advertising, you know, you're bigger budgets and and not really your more indie running gun. It's got a payload capacity of 10 pounds, so it can actually yeah. hold the higher-end production cameras, the larger mirrorless bodies that higher-end productions are using on the gimbal, balance it with the glass. Uh, they're advertising on B&H, working with the Blackmagic Pocket Camera 6K, Canon 1DX Mark III, Sony a7S III, even the Alexa Mini LF. And these cameras are going to deliver, deliver tremendous image and this gimbal is going to give those camera sensors excellent stabilization. It also has a 1.4 inch full color LCD screen on the back so you can access the gimbal settings and change it more easily that way as opposed to needing your app on your phone. But they also have an app on your phone for some incredible features and controlling the gimbal. Yeah, this is this is the huge thing is what you're getting into here on the on the camera it's or on the gimbal itself as you mentioned touchscreen there that you can use to activate uh, active track 3.0 but then you can also do it on your smartphone using the new raven eye wireless transmission system so you can go right into the app and in the app you have your video feed from the camera and you can use active track as well which as i've several times have said and and Seth and i have agreed on is that gimbals need to get more integrated with the cameras that are being put on them because the ultimate one is really the DJI Osmo Pocket or the Pocket 2, where it's kind of all built one together. But that's not the ultimate one, actually, because you really want a better camera. So the ultimate one would be a great gimbal with a great camera, but just integrated like a small Pocket 2 or Osmo Pocket. And let's not forget the time of flight sensor that was announced. This is with this. the other. This is game changing. And while it's also very expensive, like most game changing things, 
and probably something that we won't see being used that much initially until we see maybe a second generation or some price drops. The, yeah, the time of flight sensor you put on top of your camera and then it allows you to basically, you know, do autofocus, but not using the camera sensor. It's actually sending out its own, you know, like a LiDAR. Basically. Exactly. Sending out photons of light, measuring how long it takes them to reflect back, calculating the distance, and then immediately focusing the lens. Focusing the lens, yeah, using the, um, what is it called? The little focus motors that you put on. I think what's so and huge about this. use a manual this. cinema glass. Exactly. Yep. So... Yeah, this is a tough one. The RS2 is definitely I, a game actually, changer. Actually, after, after talking about it, I have made my decision. I don't think it's that tough. I The only reason I don't think the DJI RS2 deserves to go on is I think that the Peak design, it's just impressive because it's kind of like not that techie. It's just a well-made product in the tech space. And I think it's also an under-innovated area and it's, the two different price points is incredible because you're still getting a very good product at either price point and slightly heavier. You're going aluminum, but it's still the same design and everything. And for $350 or $315 on sale now, I think it's available to a lot more people. So I think peak design goes on just because like price and who's going to, how many more people are going to use it? I was thinking the Ronin actually should go on and I don't necessarily want another DJI products you know, being pitched against our sea of DJI products at this point. Yeah. But, you know, I was reading some reviews on B&H and, you know, some reviewers were talking about the head kind of has that problem where it's a little loose. When you tighten it up, the camera shifts a little bit, right? So you have to like compensate, then tighten it and hope the camera aligns in the proper position. And I think importantly is despite Peak Design having a, a tremendous design and putting a lot of thought into this product and of course striving to be a carbon neutral company, which I appreciate and really, really respect, uh, there are other tripods out there that, you know, do many of the same things as Peak Design at a lower cost. So I wouldn't necessarily say Peak Design is enabling something new, which is what I do feel the Ronin S2 is doing with the time of flight sensor and the entire package that DJI has built there. I, I, I just want to note, time of flight sensor, not technically out. So, well, I, I, wondered, I still feel the do whole we not overall... Count it if even if we don't count it, I still think the RS2 and what DJI is doing yeah. is, I think that's a more memorable product and something that is more of a game changer than uh, another travel tripod. That's my take. And I would I say if you include the Ronin, or sorry, the RSC2. Yeah, no Ronin. They, they really botched what am I our talking about I bet here? I said Ronin a couple times in two. Probably we didn't have even messed catch up it. their names so many times. I think if you include that cheaper RSC2 in this equation, then I, th which I think is only fair considering that we're including right, both, we're including peak, both designs. peak designs. So, so I think if you include that, then I think the RS2 does go on to the next round because it really does kind of change up the whole gimbal game. And yeah, I think, I think you're right. Good convincing arguments there. So we have made it through the first round. We have our final eight uh, for round two. Let's kick it off, getting back to the top, going back into cameras, interchangeable lenses. It's a Sony showdown. We have the Sony A7S III versus the Sony A7C, and I don't think this is even close. Yeah, you're right. A7C, it, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. A7S III is just a tremendous, tremendous camera this year. We both got one. The A7C sure was released after, and it was kind of an afterthought. It was like, 
Was it? I think it was, was actually it released before. Yeah, maybe. it was before because Sony was teasing us the whole summer. Yeah, that's what that's I remember. What it was, yeah. Um. But yeah, I think. But you completely forgot. I mean, I as as stated nope, there, I yeah. forgot about it. Or yeah, I think there. we got the A7S3, and almost every other YouTuber out there got the A7. I mean, Gerald Undone said he got three of them. I mean, that yeah, just. Yeah, I have a, I have a friend who ordered one and is probably going to order a second one, come spring. Uh, you know, most people I know who are videographers are very excited about this camera. The only shortcoming I would say, photography-wise, it's you know pulling up a little short for that's, astrophotography. That's it's it's very powerful, but twelve megapixels is still you just it, can't beat it. It's so good. It, is that what it is? Okay, all right. It's so good. So it's going on to the next round. A seven S three. That's kind of a no brainer. Now we have another Sony product here in the second uh, competition in round two. We have the Sony ZV-1 versus the Insta360 1R, $700 point and shoot versus a $480 dual lens uh, modular 360 camera and regular action camera. I think the Sony ZV-1 offers a really great camera for just getting started on YouTube, for getting great audio, for getting the great video. Um, but I also feel like the Insta 360 1R is more of a game changer in its product yeah, category. Do we even we haven't even got to the fact that the Insta 360 1R has the option to pair with your AirBuds or AirPods with, and use yeah, them Bluetooth as microphones. Audio. Whoa. I think we have to give this one to the Insta 360. I think it's, it's I mean, Insta 360 is really changing it up so much. And I've said this before, game changing, right? But until you get one of those cameras and you start you know, playing around with it and you're, you'll start using it as like a regular action camera like I did when I first got it. And then you go to edit it and you're like, hold on, this is completely different. And then you go out and shoot your second thing and you're like, oh, now I know how to... And you start learning how to shoot with it because you really have to rethink completely how you shoot stuff. Like, oh, what am I putting in frame? Oh, wait, there is no edge to the frame because it's 360 degrees. Oh, so I can just kind of place this in the middle of the scene and then frame it in post or I can place it in the middle of the scene and do a super wide angle, cool kind of effect. It's really just completely changing up what videography is. And I think if it's kind of hard to compare these as cameras. Yeah, it is. I, I was just thinking, I think a great way to put this is if I were to get one of them for like starting out content creation, I think the ZV-1 is the better, safer route. But in terms of what's the best product of 2020, what's the game changer, what's pushing us forward, Insta360, hands down. I think that deserves to move on to the next round. Yeah, I would agree that uh, Sony ZV-1, probably the better standalone camera, though I have seen many people do vlogs with the Insta360 1R, and since you can do the invisible selfie stick and those AirPods, you could get some good audio potentially. It's just so cool. In a I mean, cool it's... perspective. But I would say if you have, for example, a great you know Sony mirrorless camera, Canon mirrorless camera, something like that, or even just if you have a really good iPhone that you can use as your A cam and you're looking for a B camera, kind of more for traveling, I would really say Insta360 1R. And at a go. lower price, yeah, absolutely. Lower price, well, uh, the caveat here, I think all action cameras really should be added on, or 360 cameras, should, you should add on another $100 or $150 for accessories because action cameras and 360 cameras are really made by the accessories that you get. That's true, that's true. Okay, let's move on to the next Yeah, this matchup. is an exciting one, drones. And this is probably the most searched drone question of 2020, I would say. DJI Mavic Air 2 versus the Skydio 2. I can already hear the internet yelling. 
I honestly don't have like a instant, oh, this one deserves to win. I feel like with the last two matchups, I've known, all right, this one needs to move on. Here, I'm genuinely torn. I think what DJI created with the Mavic Air 2 is an extremely well-polished, well-refined system. Their app interface recording modes have uh, become very well-designed over the years and refined, and the drones are reliable, work extremely well. The Skydio 2 is kind of pushing the boundaries with their active track technology and how the drone is so autonomous. Uh, Gabe, what's your take here? Do you have any, any snap reactions? Do you have a... This is a tough one. I think I'm going to go out and have to buy the Skydio 2 now, uh, and I'll come back when I'm... No. I, I do think I want to buy the Skydio 2, though. I'm kind of hoping they'll release the Skydio 3 uh, around the corner, maybe. We'll see what 2021 holds. This is a tough one. I think you captured that right, and you know, there's a reason why there's thousands of videos comparing these two online. However, I think there is an easy answer, and it's looking back at the history of DJI and going, how many other companies have they put out of business who tried to launch one drone against them. You have GoPro, you have 3DR, you have Unique is, they're kind of still hobbling along. Parrot, Parrot. is barely hobbling along. On They're on two legs, you know, and DJI has just a history of any company that dare launch another drone into their sky. God forbid, you know, they will be, just destroyed and shot out of the air with whatever drone DJI releases next. And Skydio has released the Skydio 2, and it's been a year now, and DJI really hasn't released a drone to match it. I Granted, they've a- released a drone, other drones that have done some things better. You know, they've released the Mini 2, which is way smaller, you know, and the Mavic Air 2, which has better range, you know, HDR, better video quality, honestly but they haven't matched Skydio with the tracking, which is, if I'm honest, as someone who has learned to fly drones and often gets drone questions from people, the biggest issue and biggest worry that people have and the biggest thing holding them back from getting a drone is worrying about crashing it. Interesting. So I think Skydio 2, we have another game another game changer here. We need an alarm bell to pull or something, but Skydio 2 is another game changer, really, with the Insta360 1R as well. Here's, here's my question, though. Yep. Which drone do you feel like is more useful and more versatile? I think the Skydio 2 is potentially more versatile. Really? Because I was thinking the Mavic Air 2 with the active track that DJI has, it's not as good. And well, it's actually pretty good. It just can't do the autonomous flight. So you you know, you have someone controlling the drone, but it can still track subjects even from reasonable difference distances. I think it has exceptional image quality. And I think that plays a factors a big role in the you know, intelligent flight modes that DJI is offering. I just feel that DJI created a product that you can use in so many more versatile situations where I feel like with the Skydio 2, the reviews I'm seeing is like, yes, this is one of the best drones with autonomous flight and active track. Here's me like running through the these trees or these woods and using it. But that's the only real use case I feel like I see Skydio 2 being used for. Yeah, you, you are kind of hitting on something that I've kind of forgotten about, but is been a re- real reason why I haven't gotten this drone. And that's why I haven't seen demonstrated yet by Skydio or any of their users, oh, this drone is also a drone like we've known drones to be. Right. They're really focusing more on what it can do that other drones can't, which is a very good thing in a marketing standpoint. However, Skydio, if you're listening to this, I don't know why you'd be listening. But send me one because I really want to try it out and, you know, 
answer that question. I think there are maybe other people who have. I think the word that. that we never see paired with Skydio is cinematic. It's yeah. cool. It's unique. It's different. It's a toy more. It almost feels it's like. It's intelligent. It'd be great but for someone. I, now, my counterpoint is they have rolled out updates and they are continuing to roll out updates. And I think they will, into the future, continue to roll out updates because I don't think they even have tapped into like the near like 10% of the possibilities of what are possible with all the data they're pulling in and kind of this track that they're on. You know, they were previewing how you could use this, like you were saying, go on a drone-based mission and literally just launch it and it will fly around the home, scan the home, know where to take photos, go take photos at those corners, go take photos at the peaks, and then come back and land intelligently. And like, yes, I know getting cinematic shots is cool and you'll probably never really replace that with a true autonomous drone because that kind of takes a human's eye. Maybe you'll replace it with something that has that level of obstacle avoidance. But for all the other drone uses out there, this has just, you know, captured Boundless that market. Potential. Yeah, exactly. So I, th- I think if, you know, you had to say best all around drone potentially. Yeah, that's what Mavic I'm thinking. Mavic Air like, 2 might win. I think Mavic Air 2 is the better drone, but it's not the best of tech. If you're saying best of tech, and if they're also throwing in that, that wild card category and like uh, decision-making category that we throw in of which is going to be remembered more. Yeah, I feel like... Skydio maybe, 2 yeah, maybe is not from a go consumer. Down, it's going to go down in history as the, that drone. I, I, think. I think from kind, a consumer... Kind of like the Phantom 4, or I guess Phantom 3 more, where it really defined the shape of drones. Uh, and, and you know what yeah, people yeah, recognize yeah. this is kind of similar no yeah i agree i uh i changed my mind it I was, is it is very close though you are right because dji mavic air 2 is a lot more like it's it's the drone to buy but i think that distinguishing category is it's the technology and the innovation that's being pushed and i think you're right i think skydio 2 is onto something that by an edge just by like the a fact hair. that it was able to avoid that branch and keep flying, and the DJI Mavic Air 2 hit it. That's the only reason it's going on. All right, final category before we go on to the semifinals. This is a weird one. Uh, Rode VideoMic NTG, $250 all-around microphone versus the DJI RS2, $850 Pro Gimbal. Ooh, I actually, I have an instant winner here. It's the Rode VideoMic NTG. Yeah, it probably is. I don't really have anything to combat that. This is a do-it-all microphone from a great company, you know, DJI, great company, but they don't nearly have as good customer service as Rode, and it's a lot more affordable. It brings great audio quality to the masses. Absolutely, and that's what's so important. Like, what makes a video more watchable? Is it the smooth gimbal shot, or is it the pristine audio quality of the speaker? That's a really good point right there. Boom, and it's the audio quality that makes it more important. So, So... Rode VideoMic NTG, you are on to the final or semifinals. That gives us, we're down to four products now here in the camera drone division. Just, uh, division. just to recap, Sony a7S III, Insta360 1R, Skydio 2, and the Rode VideoMic NTG. Wow. This is going to be, this is going to be fun. Strap in. I have no idea where we're going to end up. I didn't even picture this as the finals, but we'll see where we go. Let's just get back to the top there in the camera division. Sony A7S III. Do I got to recap what it is? No, no it's epic. epic. You epic. love it. $3,500 camera versus Insta360 1R, $480 
action camera, 360 camera. Definitely the first time that these two have ever been showed down, you know, head to head. I feel like, yeah, I feel like they both just walked into the room, made eye contact, was like, oh, well, this is awkward. Putting on the gloves and they turn around, they're like, wait, am I in the wrong room or something? I wait class. I must have weighed in wrong. Like, yeah, this is definitely, definitely this is a heavyweight versus a featherweight type match. And it's a tough one. Because Dude, how, yeah, how do we I evaluate own, this? I year? actually own both of these, and you know, Sony A7S three super reliable, right? That's how I would say super 100%. reliable. The pinnacle and kind of the culmination of Sony's climb over the like starting basically in 2015, 2014 of their mirrorless full frame cameras, and just the climb of what they've learned over the years and then implemented in the ultimate videography focused mirrorless camera. It's a refined experience from the software to the image quality to the sensor to the user interface and the autofocus. They nailed it. Yeah. Now, the Insta360 ONE-R definitely still has some rough edges. You know, the app could use a bit more polish. The experience of, you know, editing on the phone isn't the best, but there's always new updates coming out that are fixing stuff, always new features. You, when you're posting it to social media, people are asking, whoa, how did you get that shot? That is incredible. I mean, it looks incredible. It's like a camera just floating around in the air, this like 3D virtual camera in space, it looks like. And it's, you know, it's only 4K like video quality. I, well, actually, I think it's 5.3K, but it's 360. So it's not like it immediately diminishes as soon as you start cropping in. So it's, you know, not really as good of a camera as the Sony A7S III. But does the experience it provides, is the tech it's bringing in, is that software that's involved better than what's in the Sony camera? I, I'm i going to go with no on this one. And I'm leaning, okay. toward, I'm leaning towards Sony right now because of their tremendous autofocus, how refined this product is, and just how many creators it's enabling right now. Think of how many people pre-ordered the A7S III what they're using it for, the introduction of the new CF Type A cards that we didn't even touch on that are kind of an overpriced like uh, mockery of a product now, but will be incredible in the future. Uh, I just think it's so good at what it does that it is the pinnacle of mirrorless cameras for video production at this point in time. Um, and in my mind, I feel like I'm giving that the edge because I think that's more useful for more people than the Insta360 ONE-R is right now. Okay, let me bring up one thing we haven't yet. Yeah. And that's the modularity, really. Yeah. The Insta360 camera. You know, it did something with 360 cameras that really could change the game in that before, if you were like, I don't really want to get a 360 camera, you just would get an action camera. Now it offers you the ability to get both an action camera and a 360 camera, but then, you know, switch back and forth and decide which one you like Obviously, if you have the option of those two, you're probably going to go 360 camera. So, you know, is this maybe game changing? Yes, I've said that before. But is it enough? I'm also not sure. You're not sure. I mean, I liked your compelling argument. And I think what we brought up before with Insta360's app and the tracking. And we don't have anything like that for Sony where you have to do it all in post with Photoshop or, yeah, with uh, Adobe Premiere or Final Cut Pro. or something. Yeah, I mean... What's the better tech product here? I almost feel like the innovations of the Insta360. I mean, I'm almost switching right now. Um, 
do we have a way to decide? We're we're at a we're at a real standstill here. You know, both of these tech products are in the room with us looking at us and we really have no way to make this decision. I'm going to I I'm, I'm going to say I think Insta 360 1R I think it Here, I, let me let me ask you a question. You're going out to shoot a video, what camera do you grab? I mean, I'm going to grab the A7S3. Okay. It's better image quality. If you're 10 years from now, people are going out to shoot a video, what kind of camera do you think they're going to grab? Prob- I mean, it's it's close, but I I think it depends on the video, but possibly they're going to grab 360 cameras. I kind of think that's where that's the, future the future and that's where it's headed. Filmmaking is going. However, at this point, it's a bit up in the air, but I think Insta360 really for a product that's, you know, $480, under $500, it's a really great product. It offers some incredible, like, innovative things that, you know, the time lapse. Yeah, I th- I'm going to say Insta360 1R. You're, I'm going, s- you're, just, you're I'm, settling on I'm that? I'm switching. I think it's more more of the best. Like, if you're posting it, let's just go to social media. The worst, you know, this is how we tell what's the best. But if you post something from Insta360, uh, one of their cameras... Versus something shot on the Sony A7S III, the one from Insta360 is going to clearly get more traction. I know that's, you know, that way of ranking what's the best on social media has got that's us into a, very, that's a, a lot of the interesting problems method that there, we've gotten Gabe. into uh, in this world has been, you know, what's floated to the top of social media. Like, I don't know, think there are any rest sui- standing by Suicide for Forest, one. Jake Paul videos and s- such. Uh, but I think in this case, that's the way to go about. Yeah, you know, this is kind of this is kind of like the crowd. Let the crowd decide what they want. And I think the crowd, you know, even though a lot of them came for the Sony A7S III, they stayed for the Insta360 one hour. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll go with it. I mean, I think the A7S III was such a champion. And I, I honestly almost saw it winning the whole thing. But I think the technical innovations of the one R and how unique that was and, you know, how it is such a... I mean, a, it's, it's a freaking modular camera. I still, like... We're yeah. underplaying that. You can just take it apart and the parts are all waterproof on their own and then put it back together. Yeah, I think we got a... And it has, and you can also throw in a one-inch sensor with it. If this was like a best video matchup... Oh, if it was best video you know, best video camera, 100% A7S3. But I think... So many other things we'd... You know, best camera, A7S3 is technically the best camera, but best tech product... I think we got to... I think we got to go Insta360. I think... They've shown the most promise, innovation, and brilliance as a tech company for. I don't for know though. Now I'm, yeah. Now I think you're right. It is so close though. I think both of these actually the finals should probably be kick out Skydio two and the Rode Video Mic NTG, and these two should be in the finals. But, th- yeah, that's the way. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, Insta three sixty one R. You're going on to the finals. Sorry, A seven S three. Really saying, saying goodbye to that 10 bit 422. There's something wrong with us. 4K 120 frames. I per totally second. understand if you stop listening to the podcast. Audio right focus. Auto focus. Audio focus. Wow. That's a new feature, everybody. Yeah, that would be great. So now the final semifinal round before going on to the finals. That was a super confusing way to phrase it. But it's the Skydio 2 versus the Rode VideoMic NTG. Weird one. Uh, weird showdown here. Skydio 2 is a drone, super autonomous. Thousand dollars, Rode Video Mic NTG, super versatile mic, uh, for only two hundred and fifty dollars. 
All right, here's what I'm going to say for this matchup. Okay, please, please, I hope you have some direction with this because I have absolutely no idea. I know, blank slate. I think what we kind of have talked about before with Skydio 2 is it was a great drone, almost a category-defining drone, but I feel like Rode VideoMic NTG really is the best mic in its price point and even across multiple categories. Shotgun mic uh, for the versatility it has to offer and so I think that's the best product and I think I would give it to that. I think I would, well for one I would say on camera shotgun mic you have to clarify cuz I don't I get well you can no, probably for price point, for price point maybe it is. Yeah, I I mean the only thing I I think is I have a hard time getting excited for an audio product. I think I, yeah, I guess if we were ranking exciting products, that's probably yeah, true. Yeah, right. Like I think is that a factor? We we haven't really talked about that on any of these other products, but if you talk about like exciting and you know, the level of excitement the product generates, if you're like, "Hey guys, look, I got this microphone." It's like, Gabe, there are yeah. audiophiles around the world <laughs> that or I hope, they're, static I hope they're not listening for Rode to this podcast NTG. because we have a lot of echo and super untreated space. But continuing that thought, I do think, you know, Skydio 2, if you pull that drone out and show, hey, look, I'm going to track myself as I run through these, you know, the forest right here or going to skateboard down the streets of a yeah, city. You know what? Maybe, maybe you're right. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of genius to be like, hey, all the mics on the market are missing these basic features. Let's just make one and do it well and execute on that. Where I feel like it takes Skydio 2, like, okay, we're going up against the biggest drone company in the world. We have very little experience here, and we're going to make an autonomous flying drone. I think that takes courage, uh, maybe a little bit of ignorance to not know what you're getting into, and then somehow pulling through in the end. And I think it takes a whole lot of technical innovation. So I I think we got to move Skydio 2 on at this point, actually. Yeah, and I think we're just seeing the beginning of Skydio 2, or I mean, of Skydio, you know, they... Yeah, what we actually what, might see the end of Skydio. What they're opening the, up, I know we 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 criticized them earlier about how you know it's not that like cinema graphic or what are we talking? Yeah, yeah, you're not cinematic. There yeah, we cinematic. go, cinematic. But what they're really doing is they're taking out that fear of crashing for so many pilots out there. I know they super stress the fact how you can track yourself, but even when you're not tracking yourself, even if you're just you know uh, doing the enterprise drones, for example, this is where I think it's going to be huge. Right, Verizon sending people out to go inspect their towers. They don't have to worry. Oh, this person doesn't have you know fifty flight hours in. He might crash the drone because they have the these drones now that can literally just avoid everything and not crash. And that I think just makes them clearly the best tech. Sure, uh, absolutely. In this comparison here between Rode VideoMic NTG and the Skydio Two. So I think that brings us drum roll. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna put in a drum roll. No post. No, no post <laughs> editing here. But drum roll in your head to imagine uh, the celebration and the fanfare as we have reached the finals of our cameras and drones division, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, it is the Insta360 1R versus the Skydio 2, two products which are game changers, innovating in their space and redefining their space and grabbing market share you know we lost some great products on the way in the competition but these two They're still great we still absolutely love deserve to be in the finals because if you're i mean just on that one category of what's 2020 going to be remembered for 
uh, besides COVID-19 and all the awfulness. If you can focus on just the tech stuff and like the cameras and drones specifically, how can you, you know, separate 2020 from these two products? Also, granted, Skydio 2 did come out in 2019, a little asterisk there, but it's hasn't, you know, it really started shipping for most people in 2020. And yeah, it's the best drone still. Yeah, you know, it's kind of weird is yeah. on their website, it actually still says reserve now. There's no... Yeah, they're still not shipping immediately. Like when you go to... You reserve it and then yeah. manufacture and ships. Interesting. Yeah. So Honestly, this is a tough one. I think what product is more innovative... Uh, what product uses tech in a better way? I'm leaning towards the Insta 361R right now. And for all the reasons we mentioned before, it's not only the creative image capture that it allows with its unique first modular design, but also the software that they have created to complement this 360 video you're capturing, the intelligent editing it can do, the AI it's implementing to track and follow subjects. And I think the versatility and applications of that camera with the modules is much greater than what you can get with Skydio 2. So I feel like it's a super innovative product and I I would, I would, that's my vote. I think that's pretty good points. I was just thinking about this again, cause it's like by the final rounds in any of these categories, we are just, we've, we've hammered everything home for every aspect. But the new thing I thought about for the Skydio 2 is or first when comparing these two products is the Insta 360 one R or any of the 360 cameras there are really a specific niche, right They They do it incredibly well and they have slightly broadened out this little niche area by, you know, being modular, like the one R, which is why it made it all the way to the finals here. I don't think a regular Insta 360 camera would have made it probably to the finals, but the Insta 360 one R being modular having all these great features that it has working incredibly well with smartphones, you know, which most people would rather edit on than a regular computer and a desktop and endure the importing process and all that stuff. So the fact that they prioritized smartphone experience and easy sharing to social media, really great. Now the thing is, it is a very niche product. I wouldn't give this to my dad for a gift. I wouldn't give this to my sister um, you know, I wouldn't, there's a, a lot of people who just wouldn't use it or would try it once or twice, but wouldn't have a use for it. Wouldn't want to, or wouldn't really see the advantage, I guess. Sure. Given this side by side with like a GoPro, they just go, I know what a GoPro does. I know what it is. I'm going to use that. Now the Skydio 2, it changes it so that so many more people would feel comfortable with flying a drone. Yeah. But would my dad would feel comfortable flying a drone. And maybe they eventually wouldn't find a use for it, but at least would get them in the door, whereas the Insta 361R still has this huge barrier of being a 360 camera. And I think it's hampered by the fact of just the category that it is and what it is. I guess my question for you is, yep. what product do you feel like is more groundbreaking in its product category? Do you feel that what Skydio 2 is doing with their autonomous flight is more innovative or better than what Insta360 is doing with their modular design, their wide angle lens, and their 360 combination and what they're enabling creators to do. How, how do you feel these products yeah, stack I think, up? I think Skydio 2 wins. Really? They're, I think they're innovating more in the space and this is a bigger jump forward in their area. The Insta361R is cool and it looks really awesome. You know, I've 
did a cool thumbnail where it's like flying apart and the verge did one like that. And like a bunch of people taking pictures where it's like, you know, all split apart into different cubes because it's modular, but it's not really offering a ton more than other Insta 360 cameras have before. I mean, granted it's like a slight iteration here, a little improvement there, but it's not really a huge innovation. I still think that it deserves to be where it is in the finals here. But when it comes down to it and comparing to the Skydio 2, I think that the Skydio 2 represents so much more greatness coming at this point than the Insta360 1R. Even though the Insta360, you know, I think they're the future right, right now with 360 cameras. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still not convinced. I just feel like the use cases for the three, Insta360 is so much greater than the Skydio 2, right? Like how many drone pilots do you feel like have gone out and purchased the Skydio 2? Like, that's what I think it's not drone pilots. I think it's going to regular people. Okay, but I guess like, I don't know. I just don't see, like I wouldn't get it. You exactly because we're drone pilots. I think it's expanding the field of what people would get a drone, which I think is huge. But don't you feel like... The Insta360 1R isn't expanding the group of people who would get cameras or who would get action cameras. Well, you're getting an action into 360. But it's not really expanding it because it's still kind of the same thing. It's just slightly different and not enough people understand it or really see the advantage yet in order to dive into that. So I I, I really think the Skydio 2 is just... And granted, this is a drone that I don't have. And yeah, that's, what, that's honestly what kind of concerns me. Like, what if, you know, you've seen some of these demonstrations and sometimes it does clip branches and it does crash or it does I, get stuck. I haven't seen it do that much often. Yeah, I guess it does happen, but I'm pretty sure Skydio 2 stands behind it with a, or Skydio stands behind it. Like a warranty behind that it. If it does any issues on fault of the drone. That I don't know. Best of tech. What do you feel like is more memorable? Skydio 2. I'm, that, that one's not even close. Other categories and points you have brought up might be close, but I think what this drone does, original Skydio, the R1 was great, but it was just a beta product, I feel like, for this. This for is this their product. first real drone realizing all the stuff that they have wanted granted you know it does have some huge limitations and some huge issues reasons why i didn't get it you know the controller pretty awful it's just a really repackaged bad, like parrot controller that's exactly the what it size is. of the drone it's about the size of like the mavic air 2 or maybe the mavic 2 pro but doesn't fold up at all and so you have to carry it around in this really bulky case like there's some major issues with it but i think it's still like redefining so much of the area that it's in that I think this is by a hair. This one's going to pull it in overtime, like with a buzzer beater coming from behind type thing. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it to you. And even adding into like what Skydio is planning to doing with future updates that they've started announcing and how it's going to, you know, reinvent enterprise, which is kind of all bundled into this one product. Whereas Insta360 we still have yet to see like the use case expanded with 360 cameras. Yeah, yet. I guess besides the modularity, and it is kind of limited to them. I guess it's like Tesla's self-driving parallel to drones. Like once yeah. Skydio gets this data, they can use the yeah. model to train and I, it. And I and think 360 cameras will take off eventually. I think right now that Insta360 is mainly hampered by actually processors being too slow to process all that data and not being able to get like an 8K sensors on there and really crunch that data and do a lot of the processing a lot faster. Yeah, all right, you sold me. 
So there you go. The future I mean, of tech. That, every time you say you sold me, I'm like, ah, I think I sold you the wrong thing. But I think this is probably the right way to go. I mean, which is the most high flying? Skydio 2, obviously, because it's a drone. Boom, boom. Yeah. Yep. So Skydio 2 going on to our ultimate grand finals. Joining. Can you say what it's joining? No. I guess if you, if you listen, listen to the this, other episode. Yeah, listen to the other episode. Uh, find you, out but you know what it is skip to the end if you want but yeah. go ahead and find it listen to so it so it'll join the winner from the smartphone mobile tablet kind of division uh, and then eventually be joined by the winners from the smart home and the winners from the home entertainment, entertainment category yeah, that's going to be kind of a catch-all i think a little bit too for stuff we've forgotten we'll so, see yeah hopefully you've enjoyed this episode this one has been a bit of a long one uh, my voice is personally getting a little hoarse and a little tired after talking about all these cameras and drones. I'm going to take a break. Debating so much. Excellent. Yeah, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pinch to Zoom podcast. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. We are also releasing these early on Patreon. So if you support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash pinch to zoom podcast, you can get early access to our other roundup videos where we talk about the best of tech in the other product categories. Either way, that's going to be it. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And we look forward to talking to you in the next episode.